Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode five of Talk is Cheap here, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. This is the fifth episode. Thank you last week for listening. And everyone that's listened from the beginning here, we've gone a little more than a month here of talking Giants uh, on this podcast through the draft, now into the rookie minicamp. So a lot going on with the New York Giants. I'm Joe Giulio with me today. Jordan Renan with us. And, of course, Nick Powell is usually here, not here today. So it's the two of us, Jordan and Joe. How are you doing, Jordan? We're gonna try and survive without Nick. I know it's tough, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best here. We'll do our best, and if, we'll know right away. I mean, if we, we had over a thousand listeners last week, so we'll know if we only get about a hundred or so, we'll know all, all our fans are because of Nick. Yeah, we'll call it the Nick effect. You know, I mean, obviously we we know there's gonna be a dip because he's he's a fine-looking young man, upstanding human being, but uh, you know, he 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 brings he brings the crowd. We we know how it works. We we'll do. do our we'll- best. We'll persevere on it. Let's start here, Jordan. Uh, we had Real perseverance. Min- We're really toughing it out. That's right. No, and it has to be tough. I mean, this is the Talk is Cheap podcast. We have to be tough here. Give me some takeaways from minicamp, rookie minicamp, uh, this past weekend here with the Giants and uh, your first chance to see some of these guys uh, in person in a blue uniform. Well, let's start out with the first-round pick because this is, you know, this is the big one. Eric Flowers, you look at him, you're looking out on the field. You can tell immediately from looking out on the field, which guy is the first-round pick? Because Eric Flowers, 6'6", uh, 329, he's at a different level physically and athletically than the other guys, especially offensive linemen on the field. And you can see why the Giants like this guy and that there's massive potential with him. This is just a massive human being. I mean, David, D- David Deal said that to me recently. And David Deal himself is a pretty big, pretty big dude. So when he's amazed by the, si- the the sheer size and ability for Eric Flowers to move, I think you know that's an eye opener. And, and it was to me. You saw that at at, at mini camp, even though you know 80% of the guys on the field won't be on a roster at the beginning of the year. That was impressive. Now you also look at the defensive backfield. Another takeaway: you look at the safety position. Look. This is going to be a total crapshoot. It's Landon Collins and a bunch of guys. You know, Landon Collins, you could tell. This guy is – he can move. He's short. He's stout. He's solid. He's going to be that guy at strong safety. I'd be really surprised if he wasn't that guy, that one guy that we could, you know, pencil in as a starter and say, this is our guy at the one safety spot. Let's see what we can find at the other spot. And you look at Michael Thompson – Looks a little raw. Bennett Jackson was out there. 
he looks like he's still, you know, first of all, he's just coming back from microfracture surgery. So the fact that he's running around, that to me was the positive. Said he doesn't even feel soreness afterwards. Seven months after microfracture surgery, that's important. And then number three for me, there was a guy, this is a guy we should keep an eye on moving forward, tight end Matt Lacoste from Illinois, 6'5", 261, looked to be a guy who can move really well for a guy that size and catch the ball. Now, you look at his college stats, they were not impressive at Illinois, but as somebody told me, you know, they didn't have a quarterback or an offense. So you got to kind of throw his his receiving stats out the window. He looked like he could get downfield a little bit. He looked like he had good size. He caught everything in his direction. He really opened eyes. So that was my third takeaway. Watch out for Matt Lacoste going forward because if you think about it, there is opportunity with this team at tight end because, you know, age, uh, Larry Donnell, he's kind of penciled in. He's going to be at least one of the guys probably the, Unless something happens, he'll be the starter. You have Daniel Fells, who's a good veteran guy there. And what do you have behind him? You have a guy, Adrian Robinson, who has never gained the trust of the coaching staff and really not much else. So big opportunity. is The opportunity is there for Matt Lacoste, if, especially if he could prove he could block and he's strong enough. He is 261. That does bode fairly well for him. That he could be a significant contributor as a rookie, as an undrafted free agent. So keep an eye out for that. Jordan, you mentioned the tight end Lacoste there and maybe playing a role here on this team this year. It made me think, as you were saying that, over the years, Adrian Robinson feels like the only tight end the Giants have spent a, you know, a mid-round draft pick on in a very long time, but they always get decent production at a tight end, whether it be Kevin Boss or Jake Ballard, obviously Larry Donnell now. What is it about their ability to get something out of tight ends that you know, go undrafted or just aren't big names at all? Is it Eli? Is it the offense? Is it a coaching combination? I mean... I wouldn't be surprised at all just the way you're describing the cost. I'm thinking to October, November, and he's making big catches in a big game for the Giants. Yeah, you're thinking Jake Ballard and Kevin Boss. Like, you know, that's exactly what you're thinking with this guy. And you know what? It is partially Eli. We can't say offense anymore because the offense now is different. So if it was the offense, we could just kind of throw that out the window at this point. But, yeah, you know, I think Eli has a lot to do with it. He likes the tight end. If that's a safety valve for guys. They, you know, they especially with the guys like Beckham on the outside of the field. There's going to be opportunity to get that to hit that middle of the field this year. So uh, I would expect that to happen again. And Eli, it's a quick, easy read for the quarterback, and I think that's why Eli it it, it fits Eli. I mean, that's that's one of his better things. He he can make that quick, easy read, see a pre-snap. That's where his mistakes are minimized, and that's a, a target that he likes to use. And I think it, we're going to see with Lacoste, with Donnell with maybe Daniel Fells, whoever whoever it is playing in that spot, we're going to see it again of a guy, guys who get decent production out of players who aren't necessarily, uh, you know, Pro Bowl caliber players, but we're going to see solid production out of guys that maybe wouldn't be producing like that elsewhere. Jordan, you mentioned Flowers. I want to go back to the first-round pick. Now, you're saying, you know, obviously he fits the, the mold. You look at him and you say, that's the first-round pick. What about the way he, he carried himself? Now, it's just rookie minicamp. It's not like he's playing against the Dallas Cowboys uh, in a regular season game in week one. But just the way he carries himself. He's a younger kid. Does he come off that way, or does he come off as a, a kid that looks ready to play and looks mentally ready to go out there and play against NFL guys, not college guys anymore? Look, he's going to be learning a little bit. And look, even Brandon Sheriff, who everyone thinks is a finished product, being a finished product is as an offensive lineman coming out of college is just not the case. It just doesn't happen anymore. Look, uh, they said the same about Jake Matthews. Uh, 
you know, he has a incredible bloodlines. Came out of Texas A&M. Said he was refined. Went to Atlanta. He struggled his rookie year. I mean, you know, the, Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher. Offensive tackling NFL is a difficult, difficult position. If he plays on the outside, Eric Flowers, he's going to have his learning curve. And you can see that. You know, he's he's learning. That's the kind of kid he is. He's kind of shy, but he's a, he's a you know, workaholic. He's a guy who's, who wants to play football. And you can see he's always willing to learn. And it wasn't an accident, but the offensive line coach, Pat Flaherty, was kind of all over him, you know, giving direction and getting on him a little bit here and there for, you know, while he's doing drills in, in a good way, not in a, not in a negative yelling way. Uh, and, you know, that's sort of what you're seeing from this. This is a, a crash course right now of learning the NFL and learning the offense, and that's kind of where they were in the process. And, uh, I, you know, Flowers is going to contribute immediately, but what he's going to be able to do well is going to be a run blocker. Pass blocking at the NFL level, even if you are so-called refined, is a difficult thing. It's going to be a difficult thing for Flowers as well, probably. You mentioned Pat Flaherty there, the offensive line coach. This has to be like Christmas morning for him. Just the last couple of years, the way they've you know, added so much talent, high picks on this offensive line. A couple of years ago, when the yeah, Giants... pressure were... on, Joe. Pressure's on. That's now. true. That's you true. Just, these guys have to produce now. He's got four guys that are basically brand new uh, in the last two, three years. So he, he's got to get these guys to play well. But he does have talent to work with now. A couple of years ago, it felt like they were either all old or journeyman guys that don't belong on the offensive line in the NFL. Now he has some talent, which, yes, you're right, pressure, but at least he has the talent to try to mold into a good line. Yeah, but let's, let's see it happen. We, you know, we, what do we know about Justin Pugh and Western Richburg right now? Uh, you know, we don't know 100% how, you know, if they're, how good they are or how, what kind of players exactly they're going to be. Uh, we we still haven't seen Jeff Schwartz in this offense. I mean, he didn't play last year. Basically, he really didn't play. He got injured in, in preseason against the Jets. We didn't see him. So, you know, Pat Flaherty has to get the most out of these guys. We he has to. The Giants the Giants need one of these guys to become a Pro Bowl caliber player. Maybe two. Like you don't have a really good offensive line and not have a Pro Bowl caliber player or a perennial Pro Bowler on your line. The Gi- Giants had. Snee back in the day. He was, you know, they knew that this was a dominant lineman. Every team, most teams have the dominant left tackle like with great offensive lines. Who's the Giants guy right now? Do you see, Joe, do you have any guy that you could say is a Pro Bowl caliber player out of that, uh, that group? No, you can't count on anyone right now. I mean, I, I guess a couple of years ago with the way Jeff Schwartz played before he got his contract when he was in Kansas City, but not, like you said, not in this offense, and he's coming off of injury. Yeah, this so. is all, that's also, let's, let's be honest, that's a guy who's, you know, on his fourth team or whatever. I mean, this isn't, he, that, that's not, he's, he hasn't come close to making a pro bowl. Like, we're talking, you know, a, a bona fide, this is our guy. We could run it behind this guy. This guy's the best guy on the field, offensive line wise by, by a wide margin. The really good lines, the really good teams, they have that one guy. And the Giants certainly don't. Not the yet. Need that, they need that to happen. We, we need to find out who is that guy. Right. That's there gonna... at all. That's going to be this whole summer, trying to find that out and put the pieces together. So uh, we have the Giants offensive line trying to come together. Flowers are a big part of that. Let's go to the other side of the ball. I want to talk about the defense a little bit here and a little bit what you saw this this past weekend. But then just as a whole moving forward, I saw quotes from Steve Spagnuolo talking about, you know, it's going to take some time here. And I think there is a perception that, oh, wow, Spags is back. And the last time we saw Spags and the Giants, great pass rush. They won a ton of games, won a championship after the 2007 season. Uh, but it's been a long time. You know, the defense is completely different in terms of personnel. A long time ago now, 
the Spagnolos with the Giants. Um, you know, what are the what should be the expectations for Spagnolo and this unit in this season? Look, that was a bad defense last year. Uh, you know, they were near the bottom of the league in total defense. Their run defense was atrocious. Uh, they batted a lot of pieces, uh, and mostly pieces, though. You know, they, there's no uh, they didn't go out and add, uh, you know, another Jason Pierre-Paul, or, or you know, they didn't go out and add. Michael Strahan in his prime out there, you know. They, they added a bunch of pieces. And there's a lot of questions on this defense. Look, we don't know who the le- starting left defensive end is, right? We don't know who the starting weak side linebacker is. You're praying and crossing your fingers as hard as you can that the middle linebacker can stay healthy. You don't know who your nickel cornerback is. You don't know who either of your two starting safeties are, essentially. Maybe, maybe you do a little bit with Landon Collins. But there's a lot of questions on this defense. I think the reality is... This team is built, and they're 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 putting their they're putting their hopes on the offense. Okay, they're putting their hopes that this offense can build off last year, can build off having Odell Beckham, and uh, can build off Eli Manning have a second year in the system. Victor Cruz returning that that offensive line being better. That that's the strength of this team. The strength of this team will be the offense, and that they can put points on the board. So the reality is, I think realistic goal you want to have an average defense. I'm not sure the pieces are there. For this defense to be a really good or great defense, I, I just don't see that right now. Uh, maybe if you know one of the young guys steps up and, and really comes into their own, it changes things. But right now, I think the goal should be get yourself an average defense, have a good offense, and then you can have a winning team. I mean, do you see this team being a top 10 defense show? No, I don't either. I, I can't see that. I mean, look, you know, you never know. A couple times a year, a good team will look bad, a bad team will look good, and someone will play right. better defense than you expect. But on paper... It's hard to imagine a top 10 defense. I think, I think you know, like you're saying there, top 15, top 16, top half of the league, at least in the top 20. And I think you're right. I mean, I think if they're in the top half of the league with the offense they should have, barring, you know, injuries or anything like that, the offense they should have, that should be enough to be, you know, a decent team, which they haven't been in a couple of years now. Right. Well, let's look at what Spags is working with here. Who, Joe, you're the opposing offensive coordinator, right? You're playing the Giants. Who do you look at and is – on that defense, you say, oh, we got to really watch this guy. Watch out for this guy in every play. Who, who's that guy? I guess Pierre Paul would be the one if I had to pick out one. He would be He's the one. I mean, there's, there's people that would argue, you know, that would be that impressed or that scared of Jason Pierre Paul. Now, granted, I think he's a good player. But, you know, there's not like two or three guys out there that you say, whoa, you know, we really got to watch out for this guy, this guy, and this guy. There's no, there's no Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, and Ed Reed on the field, you know, and <laughs> – so, obviously, you know, this is clearly not the 2,000 Ravens or any, anything even close to the sort. Uh, but, like, those kind of guys, I'm not sure the Giants have any of those kind of guys, those kind of players on the field. And and that's what Spags is kind of working here. And he's going to have his work cut out for him and try and piece it together, scheme well enough, bring guys from different areas, confuse other teams to the point where this defense can be successful enough. Uh, because I don't think you could just throw these guys out there and say – all right, let's uh, rely on our talent, get after the quarterback with the four, you know, the four-man rush, which maybe they did in the past when he was here, uh, and say we'll bring those four guys from different places and they'll, you know, wreak havoc. And uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that can happen with this crew, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't either, and that's why I think I, I saw a piece yesterday, Jordan, that Nick wrote uh, on NJ.com about you know, Spagnolo and, and maybe looking at John Beeson, middle linebacker, as. Uh, his Antonio Pierce 2.0, this this Giants version, this Giants defense version of what Pierce was then, maybe Beeson could be now. 
Uh, but obviously, health with Beeson is is going to be the big question. I mean, are always you always the, the question? Always. always are you the at the question. point where you you even kind of pencil him in, or are you going to have to wait and see? I'm penciling him in, but I'm crossing my fingers and my toes at the same time because look, he's their middle linebacker. Uh, they need him to be their middle linebacker because he's the only one on this roster that I see that is a middle, you know, is a 16 game middle linebacker. Look, I like Jamil McLean. And Jamil McLean's a good veteran guy to have around. He's a decent player. But if you have to put Jamil McLean out there, a middle linebacker, for 12, 14, 16 games, I think that's, you know, that's when he could start getting exposed. He's not, especially at this point in his career, I don't see him being that type of player. Uh, JT Thomas, I saw him play in the middle for the Jaguars last year, was not impressed. He can't hold up physically uh, at middle linebacker. So the only guy I see that has the potential and the talent is John Beeson. And so you really – you pencil him in, and you cross your fingers. And he is that kind of guy. If he's on the field, he can easily be a leader. He's a great guy. He's very smart. Guys, re- everybody respects John Beeson. When you're in the locker room, when you're in the when the huddle with that guy, everybody respects him. He instantly, you know, he's not a huge rah rah loud kind of guy, but he is a guy that people follow his lead, follow his example because he does things right. He's just a good, good dude and uh, very smart cerebral player, which is why he's a good player when he's healthy. So, But you can't lead unless you're on the field. It's that simple. So everything with that makes it a very big question mark because you want him to be your leader. You're crossing your fingers. You're not sure how much you can, you're going to be able to get out of him health-wise. But, you know, he's naturally your leader, and if he's not there, then it creates a problem, which puts the Giants in a tough spot, and they're, and they're just – Hoping with all hope that he could stay healthy. All right, let's take the Twitter here. We have some questions pouring in here about the Giants based on a little bit what you saw this weekend and just in general uh, moving forward as we get closer uh, to real practices and training camp and all that in the summer. Odigi Zua, Oa as we like to call him, uh, is he going to see the field this year? That's from Vincent on Twitter. Do we, do we see Oa as a, as a big part of this defense or at least a part of this defense this season? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, there's a there's a shot that we see him as part of this defense. But I think in general, his role, especially this year, if anything, uh, you know, if he's going to play a major role, is going to be as a run-stopping defensive end. I don't think he's refined as a pass rusher. I think that's the one thing he really needs to improve on. That was the question with him coming in. He needs to be improved and show that he can be a pass rusher consistently to be a – worth the you know the first round pick that some people had envisioned him being so that's not going to happen right away he's going to have to beat out George Selvey to be the run stuffing defensive end on the left side I think that's a role he can do I don't think they have a huge investment in Selvey so if he has a role I see that being his role but even that's 50-50 right now one of the rookies this week that we um, we heard about, I know you wrote about him in general, specifically, I mean, Jordan, Jeremy Davis, wide receiver, late-round pick. We heard about him as a, a guy that could definitely be a special teamer. But could he be more than that? That's a question we got here on Twitter um, from I Bleed Big Blue. Can Jeremy Davis be more than just a special teamer? Could he work into the receiver mix here? Well, how, how about he learns to be a special teamer first? Because I found this interesting over the weekend. Is You know, we hear the... the, the David Tyree kind of comparison, uh, Jason Avant with Jeremy Davis. The Gi- I think it was Tom Quinn, the Giants uh, special teams coach. He said, uh, 
You know, Jeremy Davis didn't really play special teams in, in, in college that much. So he's almost even a projection there in that part. So let's see him be a special teamer first before he contributes as a wide receiver. I don't expect him to do much as a wide receiver. Rookie year, at least. Rookie year, right. He's got to learn, and, and I agree with you. Learn how to be a special teamer, help out there, and then maybe they'll work him in uh, to another position. Let me ask you. Yeah, I they're, think... actually kinda, they're actually kind of deep at wide receiver with regards to guys that I think can play and that are probably better than him as a wide receiver right, right. now. Right, and there were those guys last summer. That, last summer there was a, you know, Washington. and, and ha- I mean, they had players last year who didn't play really a role in the team uh, but you know, had big summers. So I, think, I agree with you. They are pretty deep at wide receiver beyond the big guys. Right, yeah, guys who could contribute, guys like Mark, uh, Marcus Harris, I think was, you know, he might, he might have been a starter week one if he hadn't gotten injured. I think he's a guy you got to keep an eye out for. Way ahead of uh, Jeremy Davis on the depth chart, at least as a wide receiver. Now the question is, can Harris and Corey Washington play special teams, and, and how does that figure into the bottom end of the roster? Because you want that out of your fourth and fifth receiver. So. I'd say probably our two biggest football audiences on NJ.com, Jordan, have to be the Giants fans and then Rutgers fans. And you had a quarterback there at a rookie minicamp that bridged the gap to both fan bases there. Gary Nova, after a, a pretty good career at Rutgers. I mean, he was a starter for a long time and did a lot of good things for that program. Now tries to make it in the NFL with the Giants. Uh, we had a question asking what you saw at Nova, and you, you think there's any chance that he has a shot of playing in the NFL? Uh, well, let's start with the first part. What did I see at Anova? You know what? I was impressed. He's got a good arm. He really could throw it some zip. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world. You could tell that. I mean, he's standing next to Kent Graham and I, I forget the other quarterback's name, some Pete Thomas from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, and these guys are 6'5 or whatever. He's six one, so he kind of looks on the smallish side, which makes him, as an NFL quarterback, uh, a tough thing. I mean, he's a, he's a projection. He's a project. I think maybe he could stick on a roster. There's, there's possible he lands on this Giants roster uh, at some point as, a, as an arm with a developmental project kind of guy. He would have to improve his accuracy. I think that's something I saw a little bit even in practice, especially on Saturday. Uh, you know, the overthrowing of receivers, uh, the occasional just off-target throws. He's not accurate enough, especially at that size right now, to be an, uh, an NFL quarterback. I think he has an outside shot, but uh, if somebody views him as a developmental project, he could be uh, a third stringer, a developmental guy with the potential to maybe end up being a backup somewhere down the line. I think that's uh, Gary Nova's uh, ceiling at this point. Jordan, you mentioned Graham in there. Is that Kent Graham's kid, the former it Giant is Kent quarterback? Graham's kid. He looks just like Kent Graham. You could tell just from looking at him immediately that that's Kent Graham's kid. Big guy, though. Played at Hawaii. Didn't really have much of a college career, so... Uh, you know, he really were probably just a tryout guy. Uh, he really didn't barely even play in college. So, uh, you know, big kid, decent arm. Uh, not sure if uh, there's a pro career in it for him, though. Kent Graham, Jordan, I just made me think of the story. Kent Graham was the quarterback at one of the games, one of the biggest upset games I ever actually attended in person was the Giants and Broncos. Remember when the Broncos were undefeated with uh, uh, yeah, Elway's last I think, year? I, think it was, I believe that was a Monday night game. It was crazy. I think it was, too. Kent Graham was the quarterback. He had a Monty Tumor in the corner of the end zone to win the game, and the Giants beat the undefeated Broncos. And that wasn't even a good Giants team. I think that team finished 7-9 and nine or 6 Yeah, that was, that was not a good job. But that was a really good Broncos team. That was, like, around the Terrell Davis time. That was when they were, they were, get, they were really good, I believe. Yeah, I think, it was a se- I think it was the second year. They won the back-to-back Super Bowl. So they were yeah. – yeah. They were tremendous teams. That made me think of Kent Graham. Which, I didn't... Would be always, which would be always last season, really. 
Right, it was. It was Elway's last season. All right, so we had our our little Twitter segment there. Now let's do uh, let's do a little rapid fire to close uh, episode five of Talk of Sheep. Here's what we'll do. Let's do. I it. have f- five positions here, and you give me, and we'll both do. It. We'll give our May 11th predictions for who's going to start on Week One against the Cowboys. Now we're going to hold this to you and to me uh, at least for the next couple weeks, and then you're, obviously you're allowed to change your pick. But as of today, as of this morning. Okay. Uh, as of May 11th, May 12th, this week, give me your prediction uh, for these positions to start opening day, all right? Let's do it. Fire all right, away. Here we go. Let's start with, I'll, I'll give you a layup to start. Strong safety, opening week. Landon Collins. This is the one guy they're going to be able to just pencil in there. One guy I know is going to be starting at safety, too talented not to. Yeah, I'm with you. Landon Collins is going to be the guy, and the trade-up for him to, to bring him in here, uh, the talent we know he has, and the need they have there. I, I think barring an injury or something in camp that holds him back, Landon yeah. Collins starts week one. How about next to him? Agreed, but three? here's the big question. Yeah, here's the big question. Who starts next to him, right, Jeff? Right, next to him. My guess right now, based on what I've heard you talk about, what I've heard the Giants say, and, and the, the lack of, I, I guess, you know, anyone that has experience in this camp at free safety, my guess is going to be Bennett Jackson. How about yours? Wow, Bennett Jackson, that's, you know, that's a guess. I mean, who knows? We, I don't, we don't even know what, what he is at safety. But uh, it's, as good, it's probably almost as good a bet as any. But I'm going to go with Nat Verhey, uh, only because not, it's not ideal. I think both Verhey and Collins probably project better at strong safety. But they're just trying to get the two best safeties out on the field. And I think at this point, only because Cooper Taylor, I don't really know because he's coming back from a serious injury. I don't really know where he is. I'm going to say Nat Burhey has the edge at this point. So they're going to start those two guys together and try and get by, use them interchangeably as much as possible, and and, and uh, see what they could do. I mean, that's also because I don't really know what Bennett Jackson is as a safety. You don't? I don't either. But I, I do know he played in the uh, he played in the short conference. He was a darn good high school he did. football that is, player. That is my home, by the way, short conference. I was that's, that's where I was born and raised. So I'm actually – Pro Shore Conference, so uh, I'll I'll ride the Bennett Jackson with you. You know why not? Yeah. You and I both. All right, we're riding the Shore Conference. Let's go to left end, opening week, uh, uh, the opposite side of Pierre Paul. Who's going to be that starter? My guess, unless he gets unseated or doesn't have a good camp, I I thought the signing of, of George Selby was uh, a decent one for the Giants, and I'll I'll guess him there on the opposite side of Pierre Paul, the old uh, South Florida connection. Yeah, you know, George Selby would have been my pick a couple weeks ago. But they drafted Oa. Uh, why not get him on the field? Let's do it. Start him. Let him play as a just a straight run stuffer. That's his. That's his strength. He has that power, that speed, the ability to hold up that edge. Uh, let's say he beats out. I'm going to say he beats out George Selby. Why not? You know what? If that happens, it's not a sexy thing, but the Giants would probably have two of the. You know, when you look at four, three teams around the league to have two defensive ends that play the run that well, because we know Pierre Paul. Does it at a very high level. That would be something they have that I don't think a lot of teams have two defensive ends and a 4-3 that both play the run that well if Oa plays it as well as we've heard. Well, guess what, Joe? They need it. Did you see them play run defense last year? I did. I saw it in that. Well, I saw them try to do it in that Seattle game. It wasn't much of it, though. Yeah, that was disgusting. All right, let's stay with uh, our our fourth position here, our guest for week one. Let's stay with weak side linebacker. Stay on the defense, behind that defensive line, a weak side linebacker. Who you got in week one? Well, this says everything, by the way. We're going. We're in our fourth position, and we're still on defense. So that says everything we have to know about Doesn't defense. It? 
And we didn't even do slot cornerback, by the way. And there's another position that they have – Spagnuolo admitted is they really have no idea. Uh, weak side linebacker, I'm going to go with JT Thomas. They gave this guy some money. They see a projection there. I'm not sure if he, he how good he is or how, if he can really do it consistently. But this is why they signed JT Thomas, so they're going to give him that shot. Why not? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Thomas is going to be the guy there, too. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, did he play well in that game the Giants were down in Jacksonville this past year? Yes, that was his good game. But don't watch him play against the Dallas Cowboys when uh, I think it was in London. When they played him in London and he played middle linebacker. A different position. Uh, but that, you know. That's the thing. Can he hold up physically, uh, especially against the run? We'll see. Uh, hopefully he could cover fine. That's what they're looking to get out of him maybe at the weak side. Let's see if he could do it. The, the other guy that's, I think, in the mix is uh, seriously is going to be Jonathan Casillas. But I think he's more of a special teamer. All right, let's go with our fifth position here for our rapid fire starting. And this one's the big one because it involves the first-round pick possibly. Starting right tackle week one against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football? My gut tells me it's going to be – I don't know why. I, I think this is just a gut feeling right now. Justin Pugh, I think that Flowers might be best served playing on the inside year one. It's tough to be a tackle in the NFL. I think when they look at it and they put both guys on the field consistently, Justin Pugh in his third year is still a better tackle right now to protect Eli Manning on the outside than Eric Flowers as a rookie. Maybe that changes as the season goes along along, and he gets more comfortable, Eric Flowers. But for me, I know it's a surprise for most people. I'm going to still say Justin Pugh. Flowers, be being, Flowers being at left guard, and uh, then you have Jeff Schwartz over on the right side next to Pugh. That would be a surprise, I think, to some fans because they look at Flowers and say, oh, he's the right tackle. He's my guess. But let me ask you a question based on what you just said. We'll wrap with this. If the, if the scenario goes the way you just said with – Pugh at right tackle, Flowers at left guard. If for some reason Pugh struggles and they say, you know, I think Flowers is ready, it's week five or week six, would it be as simple as just flipping those two guys and, and then we just move on through the rest of the season? Or would that kind of create a ripple effect for the offensive line if they had to move Flowers to right tackle? You think Pugh would then he, here's why I don't think it, guard? Yeah, here's why I don't think it would be a big deal. They're going to go into training camp, and they're not, not maybe not training camp, but in this spring right now, Guys are going to just be moving all over the place. They're, so they're going to get plenty of reps this spring, this summer, at all different spots. Justin Pugh is going to be playing guard. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is going to be playing tackle. He's going to be playing both guards. Flowers is going to be playing tackles, both tackle spots. Maybe he's even uh, probably some guard, too. I think they're just going to be moving around. So they're going to get those snaps in there right now in the spring and summer. And so if they have to make that change later on, it won't be completely – it won't just be a complete shot in the dark and say, hey, this guy has never played in this spot before. So versatility will be the key here uh, for the Giants. They go through the spring Competition and the is the key word here. They're going to create a competition. Every spot, including left tackle, you know, every guy on that line is going to be competing. And they're just going to see, hey, what is our best option at all these spots? And that's the way they're going to go. There's not going to be, uh, okay, this guy's our right guard. This guy's our left guard. This guy, you know, is our left tackle, 100% our left tackle. They're going to make everybody compete, and that includes Will Beatty. Not that I'm saying I think he's not going to be the left tackle because I do believe he will be. But if for some reason somebody goes in there and plays better than him in training camp or preseason, I don't think they're going to be shy about, you know, putting that guy out there in that position. And I think that's the best way to go. So we'll see how it works out for the Giants. And, um, and we'll see how that offensive line shakes out. It's going to be a big story along with the defense throughout the spring and the summer. Everyone, thanks for listening to Episode 5 of Talk is Cheap. Jordan, 
Thanks as we always. We missed you, Nick. We missed you. I know. You know, I can't <laughs> wait to see what the numbers are this weekend. If we if we take a big dip, uh, we know it's the Nick show. I know he's gonna he's gonna ask for a big raise though. The bosses are in trouble if this uh, if it takes a dip here. Right. Well, that's true. And if it doesn't, we're all gonna ask for a big raise, and then the bosses are in big trouble. And I don't know that that ego that ego might go through the roof or something. You know. Next thing you know, we're gonna be getting big time by Nick. Maybe we just won't tell him the stats. Maybe we'll keep this to ourselves. <laughs> that's a good idea. Maybe that's a good idea. All right, Jordan. Appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with episode six. See you next week. I'm talking cheap. <laughs>